Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I would like you to, to, to take a moment to think. There are a number of people in this congregation and other people that I know who are self-employed, who are, who are business owners. And maybe you are one of those people. And what I've found out about people who are self-employed is that they are usually self-starters, they are self-motivated, and they work very hard, work long hours. They are willing to do whatever it takes to make their business go. But I've also talked to enough business owners and, and people who, who have their own uh, business to find out that they usually have frustrations in their business. And these frustrations can come from a number of different places. But one that I've heard most often from, from people who, who might do, uh, be a handyman or, or a person who might have a trade or, or a business where they're a carpenter or a plumber or electrician or something like that, The thing that I've heard most is the frustration they have. They said, you know what? This business would go great if people would just pay me for the work that I do. I mean, that finding work isn't that hard, but finding someone who's willing to pay you once you do the job is what gets frustrating instead of having to go chase people to pay their bills. I think about that. I think about that with my brother. My brother's a plumber. Two of my, well, actually, all three of my brothers are plumbers. Uh, two of them have a shop together, and the other one had a, a, one separate in a city about three hours away. And when the one brother became a plumber and he was going to buy his boss out of business, his, his boss told him, you know what? I have over $100,000 of unpaid bills that, that people have not paid their bill. And he said, what I'm going to do right now is I'm just going to give that to you. And he said, that might seem like a a huge gift, but I'm telling you, you're never going to see it. And this way, at least it it stops driving me crazy, trying to go after these people. Because what happens in in the plumbing business is that when people call you after hours, it's always an emergency. It's Christmas Day when, when, when people are over and somebody puts something down the toilet they weren't supposed to, and now the sewer's backing up through the bathtub, and you have 25 people at your house. We need this taken care of immediately. Or when a pipe breaks and, and water is going all over the house, we need someone immediately. And so when he would go in and he would help those people, and the phone would ring right at his house in this small town, and they'd say, yeah, we'll pay you for it, we'll, we'll catch you later. And he found out that sometimes the people you think are your friends don't pay their bills too. And, and sometimes those are the worst ones. And so what he decided to do was to put credit card machines in every truck. And that was the way that, that he hoped that uh, people would pay their bill, that at that time they would at least swipe their credit card, and, and that way he would get some money out of it. But then he ran into another issue, and that is an issue of when he would go places and the people wouldn't feel like anything was necessarily done. And, and, and this, is, this would be a situation, and that is 
where he's a plumber, a lot of people have their own wells. And, and so when your pump goes out, when your well goes out, you have no water. And so immediately they would call the plumber and they would call and say, we don't have any water. We need someone out here right away. And, and when he would get a call like that, he would tell them, just so you know, to have a plumber come out after hours in a truck, it's going to be $100 before he even steps in your door. Just so you know that, because I need to pay him, I need to pay for the truck and all of that. Do you understand that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just send them out right away. Or when a person has water in their basement and, and there's water everywhere, yeah, well, just send them out. But when people would get frustrated, it is when the plumber would get there and would go down in the basement and say, okay, where's the pump? The pump's outside. And he would go to the circuit breaker and just turn the circuit breaker on and the water would start working. And they're like, you're kidding me. He's like, yeah, the only thing that happened is somebody turned the breaker off and, and now you have water. And now you can give me the $100. Thank you. And they'd be like, we shouldn't have to pay that. You really didn't do anything. Or another situation where the person's basement was full of water. It was in the spring. And a lot of these homes have sump pumps down there where, where they, they pump the water out. And so they, the plumber is called. They get there. The plumber walks into the basement that's full of water and plugs in the pump, and then it starts working, and all the water goes away. And they don't want to pay. They're like, are you kidding me? All you did was plug in my pump. And they said, well, one of your kids must have unplugged it, and yeah, that's going to be $100. And now maybe if you're a business owner, right now you're saying, exactly, I got to get out there. That's, that They should be charged for that. But if you're not a business owner, you're probably saying, you shouldn't have to pay. He really didn't do anything. And so what my brother has done and what my dad does, who works in my, my brother's office, is this. Every time someone calls with no water and with a pump that doesn't work, and every time they call when there's flooding in the basement, this is what they do. They have a little sheet. And they say, thank you for calling. And I don't want to insult your intelligence, but could you do me a favor? Could you go to your circuit breaker, turn the circuit breaker off, and then on, and see if anything happens? Or if, if there's a pump, they, they tell them, again, we don't want to, us to think you're dumb, but... Could you go make sure that it's plugged in? Unplug it and then plug it back in and then come back to the phone and, and tell, tell us what happened. It is amazing. Half the time, people call back and say, you know what? Um, we're not going to need a plumber anymore. We got it figured out. We fixed it. All because of an issue with power. That, that they weren't plugged in, that it wasn't turned on. And it's amazing that you can have something that's in perfectly good condition, a perfectly good pump, uh, whatever the, it happens to be, but if you don't have power to it, it's not going to work. The reason why I bring that up today is because I'm, I'm not a plumber, but Jeff and I, to an extent, are in service work, that we have people who call us with problems, hurts, habits, and hang-ups in their life on a regular basis. 
that people who are hurting, and I don't doubt that they're hurting, and, and I don't doubt that there are emergencies. But one of the things that, that I've started to do as a pastor and encourage Jeff to do as well is we have to ask the question without trying to insult you, are you plugged in to God? Is this a situation where you have come directly to us? Or is this a situation where you have gone directly to God first? And, and so one of the things that, that we try to encourage people, one of the first questions, just so you know that, that we are going to ask is, are you in a growth group? Are you plugged in somewhere? Are you coming to worship to hear God on a regular basis? How are your home devotions going? How is, how is your, your time alone with God for prayer and meditation on his word? What we find amazing is how many people are not plugged in, but yet they expect their faith and life to work as if it is. And so this message today, as we look at accessing real power, understand that, that this isn't necessarily magic. I mean, this is common sense. This is Christianity 101. And, and so it's something, though, that's important because I don't care who you are. If you are the pastor of the congregation, if you are a leader in the congregation, if you are someone who's here for the first day, it doesn't matter because if you are not plugged into Christ, the power source, your life is not going to work. So we go to God's word at a time when the Apostle Paul was meeting with a bunch of individuals who were spiritual people, who were religious people. And we're going to see that there can be a number of problems that can come. One is that you can be plugged into a dead socket. You can be plugged into the wrong thing and, and, it, and life won't work. And the second part is that you need to make sure that you are plugged into the right thing, that you are plugged into Christ. And so we go to Acts chapter 17 in your sermon notes. Acts chapter 17, and this is a meeting of, of Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he's on one of his missionary journeys, and he is at the Areopagus, which is also called Mars Hill. And if you try to imagine in your mind, if you think about the city of Athens, I've never been there, but I've seen pictures in different books, and I, I think of these marble columns and, and, and old buildings like that. Now imagine these buildings in their heyday. And this is Mars Hill and the Areopagus, which would be a place uh, where uh, the thinkers, the great philosophers of Greece would have gone to share their philosophy and, and where they would discuss these things back and forth. And now as Paul was there and he began to speak also about Christ and, and about the forgiveness of sins and about the resurrection of Jesus, individuals were starting to listen to him and thought, you know what, he, he's a very good speaker. Uh, his, his case that he's making for Christianity has sound logic to it. And maybe it would be beneficial if we gave him time to speak to the entire group. So as Paul was there in Athens, he, he noticed the road leading up to the hill and, and the, the little amphitheater that was up there. And one of the things that he noticed was on both sides of the road, uh, there were altars to all different kinds of gods. If this was a small Midwest town, they would call that road 
Church Street because that's where all the churches are. That's where, that's where people would go. If they wanted to have any type of religious experience, that was the place. And so as he walked up there, he noticed all of these different temples and, and all of these different altars to all these different gods. And then he noticed one that was to an unknown god. That these individuals were, were trying to have all their bases covered to make sure any possible god was one that they would serve. So I'm going to read that to you right now. It says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, also known as Mars Hill, and said, People of Athens, I see that you are, in every way, you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations and they, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And so the Apostle Paul is is telling these individuals, you know what, you guys have all of these different ideas going around in your head that, that you were born with this natural knowledge of God, both from the things that you see and from the conscience inside of you, that, that you know down deep that there is a higher power and you are searching, uh, trying to find uh, something to, to scratch that itch that God has given you, telling you that, that he does exist. But you're going about it the wrong way. And so in the first blank, you can write, finding help with spiritual needs can be confusing. Finding help with any of the problems that you have in life can be confusing. And especially it would have been confusing for these individuals because there were so many different options. And so the the question would have been interesting if Paul would have asked, how do you determine what God that you follow? How do you determine what God? There's so many of them. Who would you go to? I wrote down some of the names of, of the gods and goddesses that would have been there. Aphrodite, Apollo, Eris, Artemis, Athena, Demeter, uh, Dionysius, Hades, Hera, Hermes, Poseidon, and Zeus. Great. Now what? Now I have all these gods. Who is the one that I'm going to serve? Well, as you find out more about these gods, Aphrodite was the, the goddess of beauty, desire, and pleasure. Athena was the goddess of intelligence and battle strategy. Hades was the god of the dead and the underworld. Poseidon was the god of the sea and earthquakes. Hermes was the herald of the gods, travel, communication, and trade. And Zeus was the god of weather, thunder, law, and order. So what God do I go to? Well, if I'm a sailor, 
seems to me that as I go through the menu choices of God that I would pick Poseidon, right? Because that's the God of the sea and I, want, and I make my living on the sea and I want him to be favorable towards me. If I'm a student or a professor or, or some type of a person of higher learning, Athena, obviously the goddess of intelligence and, and battle strategy. Also, if you're in the army, I, I guess you would go to the god of war. Battle strategy. You could go back to Athena. And that is the way that these individuals pick their god. That what they did is they came in with a need, what we've been calling a hurt, habit, or a hang-up, a, a part of their life that was missing, and they filled it with the god who promised to give them what they wanted. And when you approach God in that way, that he is going to give you what you want, that he is going to serve you, it is going to be confusing and you are always going to be left disappointed. So Paul decided to tell them about the true God. And this is what he said, Acts 17, verse 25. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God doesn't need anything from you, but rather God gives things to you. And so in the blank, you can write, God is not trying to take something from you. He wants to give something to you. Understand, this is what makes serving the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, different from serving any other God that there is. Because when the triune God was living in eternity, before the creation of the world, our triune God, the triune God, lived in perfection, in perfect love. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, yet three persons, lived in unity and love and perfection. And all of the different things that God wants for us, God had perfectly before we ever existed. So the question is, if God was living in that type of perfection, why in the world did he create us in the first place? And the answer is found here. It's not because he wanted something from us, but he wanted to share something with us. That is when you begin to understand who God really is. Because all of these other gods made a promise to give you what you wanted always for a price that you would pay or you would do what the God wanted, that you would bring in exchange for what you would bring. If they were hungry, you would bring them food. If they were thirsty, you would bring them wine. Or, or they would, if you had something of value they wanted, that you would bring that to that God and then that God would work with you. But that is not the way the true God works. Instead, he wants to give something to you. And I am telling you that it is part of the way that we are made, that we are skeptical of that. Don't believe me? 90-day giving challenge. Why are we doing the 90-day giving challenge? 
It's easy. God wants your money. Don't you get it? God can't do his work unless you start giving more money so we can get it done. That's why the church is always asking for money, because God needs your money, and he, he wants to take it from you. That is, is the way that the world thinks. That is the way that your sinful nature thinks. But rather, why does God give us the opportunity to give? No, it's not because he needs anything. It's not because he depends on us to do his work or to do his will. But rather, through a 90-day giving challenge, God is giving you a gift. And in this gift, one part of this gift is, is freedom from having money be your master. The expression I love to use is that money makes a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. And God teaches that in his word so many different ways. He wants to give you an opportunity to give, to be like he is. Growth groups. That as you look at, is this something that you are doing for God? Saying, yeah, God wants this. God, God wants me to give up an hour of my life uh, so, or hour and a half or whatever it is so I can go to growth groups. No. God gives us these groups and the study of his word as a gift to us because God wants to give us what is good. That's also why God has given us his commandments, the Ten Commandments, to protect his place as number one in our lives and to help us show love to one another so that we know and we understand and we can be more like him. And as soon as you begin to understand that when God gives us his law and when God gives us his word, he does it as a gift so we can be more like him. We start to understand who God is and his, and his nature and his plan for us. And Paul continued. As we go forward from here, now we go and we see this, this power and what God is able to do for us in our lives. And this is taken from Mark chapter 9. This is when Jesus is, is going around and, and conducting his ministry and there's an individual who is... Uh, demon-possessed, and, and the parents have been everywhere trying to get help, and they're not able to get it. And this is what happens. The father said, is that it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So as we look at this first time, this, this individual questioning Jesus' ability to really help in this situation. And we're going to get back to this in a second, but I want you to think of something in your life that you think there's no way it can change. That, that you have been going after this again and again for so long that, that you're hopeless. You have gone so many different places and you're like, you know what, I, I don't think this will never change and can't change. That Christ says he has the ability. Then the second part. Uh, and this is, again, when Jesus is, is conducting his ministry. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. 
in our blanks, you can write, Jesus is not only able to help me, he is also willing to help me. I believe that, and I doubt it at the same time, honestly. That, that there are so many things in my life that, that I look at, and I, I believe on, on one level that God is able to do it, but I, I don't understand why he's not willing then. I don't understand why God is not doing what I think he should do in every situation in my life. And one of the things that is helpful to me, and, and one of the things that God gives us, when you deny or when you start to question God's ability to help, I want you to think about the deity of Christ. I want you to think about the fact that Jesus is true God. And so during those times are are times when I like to read through the miracles of Jesus. Jesus walking on the water. Jesus calming the storm. Jesus healing the person with leprosy. Jesus healing the demon-possessed person. Jesus raising the little boy from the dead. That when I read through those, it's a reminder of this is someone who has the ability to do things that I cannot even fathom because Jesus Christ is true God. And so if you are there, if you are at a point where you're like, yeah, I get it. I understand that, that, that God has that ability and you question his willingness then I want you to think about the humanity of Jesus. I want you to think about the fact that he is also 100% true God and 100% true man. I want you to think about his birth. Think about him being in a manger. Think about true God and true man being born, going through the birthing process. I want you to think about the little boy Jesus in the temple when he was 12 years old. And, and as he's there, this idea of, of true God and true man, but in his humanity, Jesus needing to grow up. I want you to think about Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the boat during the storm because he was tired, because he's true man. I want you to think about Jesus crying at the death of Lazarus. I want you to think about Jesus hanging on the cross, hanging on to life. And then finally, Jesus giving up his life to pay for your sin. Jesus' humanity showed his willingness to help you in your greatest need. But that's not the way we think, is it? When we look at Jesus' ability and willingness to help us, the way we grade him is on whether or not it goes away and immediately would be nice. This is a reminder that that as we look at life, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is our God. He's not our slave. And and he's not the person who who is there to do everything we want him to do. But he is here to share with us his love and to give us what we need to guide us on the path to heaven. Let's continue. Ephesians 1, verses 18 to 20, as we look at this power again. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened 
in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and in his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And so again, we go back to the power of Christ and and two of the most powerful things that we'll see, one of them is the resurrection. That Jesus Christ, true God and true man, went through the process of death, soul and body separating, and through the power of God, that soul and body were brought back together three days later to prove that he was the Christ and to prove that your sins have been paid for. That is some incredible power that God wants you to plug into. And then the second part of that is what happened 40 days later when Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at God's right hand and right now rules the world in the best interests of you, his church. That is incredible power, and God does not want you to forget it as you go through your day-to-day life and, and you don't see the forest through the trees of your own problems. And again, Romans 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Salvation has been brought to you. The miracle of of the resurrection and and Jesus going to the right hand of God is something, something that he has done for the whole world. But the power of the gospel for the individuals that are here today is a very personal power because it is the power that has brought you here today. It is the power that has taken someone who is dead in sin and made them believe and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. That in and of itself is a miracle. That is the first miracle that that Christ works for us, is the miracle of faith. And then he works miracles that follow as well. So Jesus is the power source that I need to plug into. He is where I need to go. When I have these problems, because usually what happens is when I have problems, I don't go to him, I go to myself. But he is that power. And then the final passage we have from Acts 17, verse 27. God did this. God created the world. God put you where you are today. So that you would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God has you here today. It's part of his plan to hear this message. I don't know why. For each individual, it offers you something different. But you're here today. You're living here today because this is where God wants you. That God has a purpose for your life and and God has a plan for your life and God has power in your life. So in the blank, you can write, in Christ, I can access real power. All right, here we go. How does this all play out? Okay, Jesus is true God. Jesus is true man, so he's able and willing to help me. I need to be plugged into him, okay? So I, I, I trust in Jesus as my Savior, and I want him with me every day. Does that mean I'm plugged into him? 
you guys, this rips me apart. I, I don't know. It, at first, when I was going to write this message, this was, this was the way it was going to go. You want to be plugged in to God, you come to church. You want to be plugged into God, you go to growth group. And when you do that, you are, you're plugged in and you're good to go. But the reality of it is, is that's not true. And the reason why I know that's not true is because I get a report. I get a report every week about activity of the 1,300, 1,400 or more pastors that are in the Wisconsin Synod. That's the the greater church body that we're part of. And I would say on an average of every other week, a pastor has to leave the ministry for cause. Which means he has committed a sin that is so public and so affecting of his ministry that he can no longer serve as a pastor. And, and it is, I have seen too many of the hurt that it, that it brings to the family, the shame that it can bring to the individual, to the congregation, and it just is horrible. And so here's the deal. So, so now I'm in this situation where I'm telling you today, okay, you need to be plugged into God and just coming to church and going to growth group isn't, isn't a fail-safe plan that it works. So what is it? How am I plugged into God? How can I know when I am connected to Christ? And finally, where it comes is coming to church and going to growth group are huge parts of it. And I'm going to encourage you to do that because they are great mechanisms. But finally, you are connected to Christ when you are real and honest and transparent with your God. It starts with law and gospel. The law, when, when God comes to you and says that you need to humble yourself before him, confess your sin, search your heart and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. And the things that I think and the words that I say and the actions that I do, I don't deserve anything, Lord, from you but punishment. This is, that's, you know what that is? That's being honest. And there might just possibly be specifics that you can think of from the last week. You go to him. And there's, there's prayer that you take time to talk to God. But I would argue that even more important than talking to God is listening to God. And, and so what I share with you is what has helped me plug into God. That's what I can give you and, and give you encouragement to be the same, to do the same. And that is one of the things that I thank God for it more than anything else is every day reading and doing a soap journal. That helps me so much to read a portion of God's word, pick one verse, one verse that, that, that touches my heart, that, that makes me think that I, I search for it, I observe what God is saying, I apply it to my life, and I pray about it. That is so helpful, and I just it's amazing how it, it brings God's word alive and helps me see it every day in my life. Another thing that, that helps me is the YouVersion Bible, which I have on my phone somewhere. Yeah, that I have on my phone. What I like about that is I go on you version every day. And if you have it, every day it shows a, a different new verse. And what I like about that is it's kind of random. And my, my kind of life verse now that I've gotten, I got from you version one day because it gave me what I needed on that day. It's Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope. 
Getting a little emotional now. Patient in affliction. Oh, sorry. And faithful in prayer. It's helpful because I have something to be joyful every day. Christ and his promises. But there's a reality of where we live. And that is with affliction. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And they affect me as well. They affect you. The people who continually put people's names on their prayer list that they don't think, they're hoping against hope that their lives will change and they keep praying. And then through the grace of God, they do. And then the third part, that faithful in prayer, going back to the power source. My goodness, Dan, you need to keep going back to Jesus because these things that continue to seem like they're not going to change, he does change. He can change. He is willing to change. And one day when he takes us to be with him in heaven, it will be perfect. But until then, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I love it because it's the way that we stay Plugged into God. And I encourage you to do the same. Find the verse. Find the portion of God's word where he talks to you and gives you what you need for your day. And then the promise is that you will be resilient. The final fill-in. That I'm not easily damaged when hit, stretched, or squeezed. Because those things are coming. But the Lord brings us back into shape. And so with Jesus the healer, this is what we've learned so far. As we look at resilient of, of being with Jesus the healer, and, and this is why he keep hope you keep coming back every week for this, because it starts by resting in Jesus and his care, the expose the opportunity behind the need. So in other words, each of us needs to ask for help. But today, it's seek God's presence and power and understand that that's found in his word. That's where you plug in. And so today... That if you are hurting, if you have this habit, this hang-up, and you're like, Pastor, I don't know where to start, start with Jesus, for goodness sakes. Listen to what he has to say. Take this memory verse. We put a memory verse at the end every time. Romans 1, verse 16 is the verse for today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, none to the Gentile. God has promised for your salvation. Not only spiritual salvation of taking you to heaven, but salvation for you to enjoy today. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the the gift that you give us in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that is where I need to go to seek your power. And help me, Lord, know that you are able and you are willing to help me. And so, as I go through life, help me to be joyful in your promises, patient in whatever hurt, habit, or hang-up, whatever affliction I'm going through, but, and then finally, Lord, help me be faithful in talking to you about it, of bringing it to you, to laying it at the foot of your cross, to lay it at your throne, and then say, Lord, let me use your power. You take it. You carry it for me and, and make me resilient, strong, and, and taking back the shape that Christ has given me as your child. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan.
just a reminder as you go today, questions you need to ask. Am I plugged in? And am I turned on? That as you look at that, the power on as we plug into Christ and then uh, listen to his promises, uh, make those applications of his word. And, and that is the way that Jesus, the healer, works as we take him our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and, and he takes them and, uh, and heals us. And so as you go, know that you are not going alone. Go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Have a great day.